I began a few weeks ago talking to you on the subject of why we believe. I think one of the things that has happened in the American church especially is that we have dumbed down the gospel to such an extent that nobody knows what we believe. Have you ever been to the, to the bookstore and seen the section on for dummies? Come on, anybody? Anybody ever gone and got one, you know, one of those books, Computers for Dummies? Uh, they even have one on dating for dummies. Now, wouldn't you like to date that person? Right? Uh, and I think what's happened to us is, is there really ought to be one Christianity for dummies because now I, I'm not trying to insult anybody in the start of my sermon today, but what I found is, is that a lot of times we have just dumbed it down. We've just brought it to the lowest common denominator instead of really understanding that there are reasons why we believe. And so we began five weeks ago talking to you, first of all, of why we believe the Bible. And we laid out the historical documentation. We laid out uh, the process of, of how the Bible got here. We talked about why we believe in God. And, and, and we gave all the, the different aspects of God and how he operates. We talked about why we believe in biblical morality. That biblical morality really is the way to live. It really is the way to conduct our life. And that if we would do that, we would begin to see even our nation and our world turned around living from a place of biblical morality. Last week was on the traditional family, why we still believe in the traditional family. I believe it's God's way. I believe it's God's plan is for a traditional family, and I still believe it's the best thing that God has created upon this earth. And then today, I'm going to close this series out on why we believe in America. Now, I know that that's kind of an interesting thought. I got to thinking about this. In over 30 years of ministry, I have never preached on a, a subject like this. I have never talked to us uh, in the almost 11 years of history of, of this church. I've never talked to us about America and why I believe that America really does have a plan and a purpose in, in the scheme of God's uh, eternal redemption upon earth. But today I'm going to kind of share some things with you. Uh, I'm going to take a few moments and, and I'm going to do a, probably a little bit more uh, historical reading today than I normally do. So uh, kind of go with me in the first part. The first part is going to kind of outline how that we got here. The second part of the sermon today is going to talk about uh, where we are today. And then the last part I'm going to kind of give you some insight on what you can do as an individual to keep America in the place that God wants us to be. Would you take your Bibles today and go to the book of Psalms, the 33rd chapter and the 12th verse? And as you're doing that, let me say hello to our campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I'm glad you're with us today, no matter whether you're joining us in Cordova or Craneville or Henderson or Savannah. We're thankful for what God is doing in every location of Love and Truth Church. And we believe God has a purpose for your being there today. So let's get ready to hear what God's Word is going to say. Psalm 33, 12, just a, a portion of that verse says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Now, I, I want to tell you, I believe that that is true. I believe that any nation that has established God as the foundation of that nation is going to be blessed. I think you can see it through history. If you study history, you find nations that make God a priority or nations that are blessed. And when they get away from those underpinning of making God uh, the, the priority of that nation, you begin to find out that there are issues that happen. Now, let me just address this from the very beginning of the day. And that is this, are we a Christian nation? Now, to answer that question, you've got to define what the question means. If being a Christian means that everyone is a Christian, then guess what? 
No, America is not a Christian nation. No, America has never been a Christian nation in that sense to say everybody that was here, everybody that's upon this, uh, you know, in this nation uh, is a Christian. But if you are looking at it from this perspective, that it means that Christianity was the religion of the overwhelming majority of our nation's founding fathers, and if its influence is undeniably seen in the nation's founding documents and that Christian ethics and moral codes were accepted as the rule for social order, then yes, we are a Christian nation. Now let me say this in the beginning. That does not mean that we have not always been accepting of people of different faiths. America has always been a pluralistic nation. We have always been willing to accept people who believe in different religions and different traditions and even who have no religion or no tradition at all. America has always been open to that. But if you look at the founding fathers, if you look at even the founding of this nation, you will find that America has always had a strong Christian basis. Listen to what Woodrow Wilson, one of our presidents, said. He said this, America was born a Christian nation. America was born to exemplify that devotion to the elements of righteousness which are derived from the revelations of Holy Scripture. Now, isn't it interesting that you never hear this taught in school? You, you never hear, when, when they talk about the Founding Fathers, uh, when, when you go to a college class on American history, wherever it is, I guarantee you they don't spend a lot of time talking about the things that I'm going to talk about today, but they are as valid to America as anything that's ever happened. Christopher Columbus in 1504 wrote this. He said his reason for setting forth to discover a new land was, now listen to what he says. This is the, the, the one who discovered America. I know that Leaf, I understand that before that somebody else showed up, but the guy that really brought it all together and began to bring civilization in the way that we know it uh, was Christopher Columbus. Listen to what he said. He said, I was led of the Holy Spirit to carry the message of the gospel to undiscovered lands. I bet they didn't teach you that in American history. I bet you never, most of us have never even heard that statement that was written by Christopher Columbus. The purpose of the pilgrims who came to America was to establish a political commonwealth governed by biblical standards. The Mayflower Compact stated that they had come for, and watch, they had come for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith pilgrims the ones who came to america to establish what we now know as the united states of america the puritans realizing the backslidden condition of england and how the church of england had so far gotten away from its underpinnings set forth to come to america and their purpose was coming to america was to show how a people here's what they said that we can show how a people can prosper if citizens live under the laws of god is anybody getting this yet? That in every aspect of, of America, we find that America has Christian underpinnings. The Virginia Charter assures the right for people, listen to what it says, the Virginia Charter says it assures the right for people to live in Christian peace and instructs the people to propagate the Christian religion to such people who yet live in ignorance of the true knowledge and worship of God. Try to get that one across in Congress now. 
Take that to the state senate and see if that will get through. And yet, that's how the establishment of Virginia began. The Rhode Island Compact on January the 7th, 1638, and I wanted you to know that because my birthday is January the 7th. But I wasn't there. I'm not that old. Here's what it says. We submit our persons, lives, and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I mean, think about, think about how heretical this sounds in our society. Think about if a presidential candidate would get up and start saying things like this, how quickly he would be crucified. Think about a person running for dog catcher, getting up and saying these kind of things and see how long they would get away with it. A Baptist minister named Francis Bellamy wrote our Pledge of Allegiance. Samuel Smith, a preacher and a theological student at Andover Theological Seminary in Andover, Massachusetts, wrote the hymn, My Country Tis of Thee. John Leland, another preacher, wrote the introduction of the First Amendment to the Constitution. Think about that. He was invited. Now watch this. Everybody tells you that Thomas Jefferson was a deist. He didn't believe in God. But listen to this. This pastor, this preacher, was invited to preach at Congress by President Thomas Jefferson. Isn't it interesting how we have been taught that America has no religious underpinnings? that we have always been a secular nation. And yet just recently, my wife and I had the privilege of being in Washington, and, and it was almost without fail. Any of the buildings that you went into, it was overwhelming how many of them had scriptures chiseled in marble. They had sayings about God all over. They had pictures of leaders praying. And yet we are told day in and day out, you can't do that because we are not a Christian nation. We are a secular nation. Columbia University wrote that it was founded. Listen to this. The chief things that are aimed in this college are to teach and gauge the children to know God and Jesus Christ and to love and serve him in all sobriety. Are we getting there yet? America's first school book was the New England Primer. It has the Lord's Prayer on its cover. It taught the alphabet in theological verse. If you were to take out a dollar bill today and you were to look on the back of it, there's a great seal of the nation on there. On the seal is an unfinished pyramid, and I know we get a lot of conspiracy theorists going on that one. Above it is an eye, which represents, if you study the history of it, it represents the eye of God. It is surrounded by words in Latin. Here's what those words say. God has smiled upon our beginnings. Since 1865, purposely in the center of all of our currency are the words, in God, what? We trust. And yet, we are told day in and day out that you cannot bring Christianity into the public square. In 1954, to the Pledge of Allegiance was added the term, under God. 
And yet, if you were to try to pass that today, you would find every civil liberty union person, lawyer, everybody would be out in arms against that because they would tell you that you are trying to push religion into a nation. And yet, when you look at our nation, you find that the historical roots of America have a Christian underpinning. Our laws are based on the Bible. You, you study the men and women who came and founded this nation, and you find out that each and every one of them had some type of at least a moral comprehension of what the Bible said. They may not have been Christians in the truest sense of what we refer to as Christians, but they did understand that God's Word brought about something that you could found, be founded upon and something that you and I could live upon. Fast forward, come to the year 2012, look at our nation. Our nation's in a mess. Our nation, and, and today I'll, I'll try not to be too politically incorrect, and I'm not going to take a stand for the Democrats or the Republicans, so I'll probably make both of you mad before the day is over. All right? Because I don't think that the issue is Democratic or Republican. I think the issue is the church. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says I will hear from heaven and then I will heal their land. We live in a nation where since Roe v. Wade we have aborted over 50 million babies. If I were today to take the pictures of an aborted fetus and put it up on the screen... I would be charged with showing pornography or something in church, and I would be getting all kind of anonymous emails this week. And yet, because it is hidden away, America has been willing, and even the church has been silent. Now, I do not believe, here's my personal opinion, I do not believe that I need to be standing out in front of an abortion clinic screaming at some little girl who's walking in with the veins popping out of the side of my neck and telling her how horrible she is and how bad off she is. She already is in a mess. But I do believe that as a church that we need to offer an alternative and we need to let people know that they are loved no matter what's happened in their life. Abortion is a horrible thing that America has allowed to go on. We, we, we live in a nation that has so sexualized everything that it's unbelievable. I mean, we have television programs that we sexualize four- and five-year-old girls. Toddlers and tiaras, can I help you? Recently on that show, one of the mothers dressed their child like Julia Roberts in Pretty Woman. Now, I know you're holy, so let me explain that to you. <laughs> Julia Roberts plays a prostitute. She wears a certain outfit in the movie. Again, I know you've never seen it. Looked holy right now. Come on. And yet, this mom thought it was appropriate to place her daughter on stage dressed like a hooker. I mean, where, 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 where have we lost our minds? I mean, reality television appeals to the basis of humanity. I mean, really? Honey, boo-boo? 
I mean, if you took Honey Boo Boo's mom and dad and put their IQ together, you wouldn't break the speed limit. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sorry. What, what, where have we sunk to? I mean, we, we and, and I'm going to get in our business for a minute. You ready? We allow our teenage girls to dress. In ways that used to make you blush to see somebody who would dress that way. And yet it's acceptable in our society. It's acceptable for us to do all kinds of things and nobody is there raising a hand and saying, this might not be a good idea. Marriages are suffering in America. It's according to what statistics you read, but most statistics tell you one out of two marriages end in divorce. That's not just in the world. That's not just in people who don't know Christ. That's in the church. And if you're divorced today, you know my heart. I believe God loves you. I believe God accepts you. I don't have any problem with that. But I do believe that we need to make a stand for marriage. We need to make a stand for the traditional family. We need to say we believe God has a best plan, and we need to do our best to live up to it. And, and, and so we've, we've got to come to that. And so, so our, our nation is in a mess. Our nation is, is suffering. We, we look around. Uh, our, our educational system is in a mess. And if you work in the public education system, uh, you know, I, I want you to know you're in our prayers because I know it's a struggle. I know it's tough to be out there trying to educate people uh, who basically a lot of times don't want to be educated. But, but we've got so many problems in America. And, and that's not even dealing with, with the problems of poverty and the problems of racism, the problems of sexism, and, and all the things that go on in our nation. And I'm going to tell you, once again I tell you, the Democratic Party isn't going to fix it and the Republican Party is not going to fix it. I know we're in election season. I understand that we're in a place and a time that, that you've got to be careful. Pastor, you need to be careful what you say today because, you know, they might pull our 501c3. Well, I'm going to tell you what I think today. I'm going to tell you that it's time for the church to stand up for righteousness. Now, I'm going to say some things that some of you may get a little offended about. I have trouble voting in this election for either party. I have trouble voting for a party that has accepted gay marriage and abortion. I have a problem with that. I also have a problem with a party, here I go, that has a Mormon as its presidential candidate. Now you say, that's being too legalistic. Maybe it is. But I'm telling you, that we, we are not in a place, now I'll talk in a minute about what we need to do, but we are not in a place of looking to the White House for a solution. The solution is not in the White House, the solution is in the church house. When we come to that place of understanding that, then we can live the life that God has called us to. Now let, let me kind of turn this for a moment, can I? Because I hate bad news. Let, let me turn this for a moment. There are some good things that are happening in our nation. 
I think the recession has been good for America. Didn't shout. I knew you wouldn't. I didn't even get a good Baptist amen on that one. All right? But I think it has been because it has made us realize as a nation once again how dependent we are not on the bank, not on Wall Street, not on Congress or Senate, but how dependent that we are on God Almighty and Him only. And when we understand that, we begin to see adjustments. Now, let me tell you this. There are some good things happening in our nation. If you check data and statistics, our crime statistics have dropped dramatically in the last 15 years across the nation. Something good is happening. Now, some of you that are in law enforcement go, you haven't been to my place, I understand. But again, as far as national statistics are concerned, those things are happening. I'll say this, last year, the la or the, two years ago, the last time that we have statistics of, abortion was down 8%. Thank God for 8%. But you know what? Listen to this. In the turn of the 20th century, for every 10,000 people in America, there were 28 churches. At the turn of the 21st century, for every 10,000 people, there are 11 churches. In a hundred years, we have seen a decline of vibrant churches in America. That's why I believe that God is calling the church to become relevant to society, to do things with, with excellence, to do things that are honoring, and to make a stand for that which God has called us to make a stand for. As I told you a few weeks ago, I believe that our nation is looking for people who are willing to tell the truth, but to do it with love. That would make a good church name, Love and Truth. Now, let's, let's talk about some practicalities in the closing minutes here. If America has been great, can America be great again? I think the answer to that is yes. I believe with all of my heart that we do not have to continue the decline morally, ethically, spiritually, financially that we have been on for the past 25 to 50 years. I believe with all of my heart that it's time for us to make some decisions. And so I want to talk to us as I close today, I want to give you four things real quick. Number one is the number one thing I think that we have to do as Americans and we have to do as believers especially is number one is we must pray. That, that's not a catchphrase. That's not just something you say to be religious. That's not something you just say because it sounds good because you're the preacher. I believe with all of my heart that God is looking for us to take time to pray for America. In fact, at the end of this service today, we are going to take time to pray for America. When you study history, you find that every great revival, it does not matter what the revival is, it began in prayer. It began by 1, 2, 25, 50, 100 people gathering together, seeking God, asking God to show up, and when they did, God showed up. You know what? It doesn't take tens of thousands of people 
to bring revival. It just takes somebody who says, I'm going to seek God day in and day out. I'm going to believe God that this nation can once again be a mighty beacon of hope to the world. Do you realize that in the 20th century that America impacted the world in many ways, but one of the greatest ways that we impacted the world was because we sent the Word of God to the entire world just about. I was talking with someone before the service today. They said, Pastor, I just was at a certain place in a meeting. They said it was a guy from South Africa. and said he was here in America and said the reason he came to America was he said America had sent so many missionaries to South Africa that he felt that God was sending him to America because America was in such bad shape. Now the good news of it is, as I was told, in that meeting there were over 4,000 men that got saved. So I think that's pretty good. But we've got to pray. We've got to seek God. We, we've got to sometime maybe even fast a little bit and say, God, we want to see America great again. I believe with all of my heart that as we approach the election that we need to be praying more than we're talking. Everybody's got a right to their opinion. I don't, I, I don't have any quarrel with you about your opinion. But I think we need to spend more time on our knees than on Facebook. I think we need to spend more time seeking God than we are party affiliation. In fact, I would challenge you today and ask you to pray and ask the Lord to give you direction on who you vote for in this election. And it might surprise you who God tells you to vote for. It could be that God would tell you to vote for somebody that's not of your party. See, I knew I'd make everybody mad. <laughs> Number two, the second thing we've got to do is we've got to work within the process. I, I believe as a nation that we've, we've been given some rights. I think there are, there are some things worth standing up for. I think there are times as religious institutions that we ought to be willing to go to court over things. Now, I know the Bible says that you shouldn't take your brother to court. I understand that. But some of these people are not my brother. And I think that if our nation gives us rights as far as where we stand as Christians, I don't think we always ought to be silent in those moments. I think that if I have the right to do something, that I ought to do it. That I ought to be able to go through the process, to work with whatever the process is. If that's legal, if that's election, whatever it is, I need to do that. And, and let, me, let me just say this. The, the third thing is we've got to participate. We, we got into such a season back in the 50s and 60s and even to the 70s of thinking that the Lord was going to come and get us out of this mess that we forsook society. We told people, it doesn't matter, don't get involved in politics because Jesus is coming. Could it be that Jesus had some of us who should have been involved in politics because the Word of God says that a light doesn't need to be hidden, it needs to be set on the hill. Could it be 
that instead of Hollywood being filled with people who are anti-God and anti-Christianity, that God is speaking and has spoken to young men and young women to go forth and even to infiltrate Hollywood. Wow. Could it be, just a thought, could it be that if instead of everything that's coming across on MTV and BET and VH1 and any other three letters I can come up with, if, if, if everything is not about drugs and partying and sex, could it be that God is calling some men and women into a secular venue to bring holiness to that venue? Could it be that God, let me just take it one step further, that God is calling you, no matter where you are, no matter what your employee, employer, what your business is, what your profession is, that God is calling you, that in the midst of that, you are to be salt and light wherever you go. See, I think we ought to participate. Here's what I'll say to you. If you don't vote in November, don't gripe. Amen. If you're not registered to vote, get registered. Get involved in the process. Participate. Vote for who you feel like God speaks to you to vote about. But be willing to participate. Do you realize that if Christians would turn out in any election 100%, we could literally change the course of our nation? And yet we just want to come to church and patty cake for Jesus. Participate. Let me give you the last one. The last one is we must persevere. Listen, if the person I vote for does not get elected, I'm still going to go forward. I'm not going to dig down and hunker down and say, I'm hiding out till Jesus comes. We're going to persevere. The Bible says, he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. I believe that the church has a great opportunity now in America history that we can change the direction and the destiny of our nation. I believe that America has been given grace on multiple occasions to impact our world. I don't think God is done with America. I think there's still hope for America. But I believe today with all of my heart that you and I have a choice to make. And that is, are we going to get a defeatist mentality that says there's nothing that we can do or are we going to understand that if God is for us, who can be against us? America is not perfect. America has great flaws. America has experienced great turmoil in its history. There are things that I haven't even talked about today, such as slavery and all the things that took place in our nation's past. But I want to tell you today that I still believe 
that America can make a difference. And I believe you and I have a responsibility. And I want to close with the scripture that I've quoted already, but I want to close with it today. It's 2 Chronicles 7, 14. And it says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked, wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Would you bow your heads? Heavenly Father, I come today and as the pastor of a local congregation, I ask you today to forgive us. I ask you right now, Lord, to allow us to take just a moment as one local congregation to say, God, we repent of our iniquity and our sins. And we ask you today to forgive us, to cleanse us, to purify us today. And Lord, we ask for our nation today. We ask for America. God, don't let the greatest days of our nation be behind us. Lord, let the future be filled with renewal. The future be filled with revival. The future be filled with a breakthrough in this nation that literally will touch the world. So I ask you for men and women who will rise up in this hour in which we live. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.